We take up today on this matter of Baptist distinctives again, and taking up as we are on the specifically on the topic of uh, the Lord's Supper, and we want to. We have mentioned already. I don't know how many times, but I'm sure it's been spoken of already in this treatment of the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> at least in a passing way. The our Baptist distinctive that of having baptism as a prerequisite to the Lord's Supper. Baptism being a prerequisite to the Lord's Supper. And uh, I think it is best, uh, Jeter in his treatment, actually <clears throat> in Jeter, the book of Jeter's uh, lectures, there is a lecture uh, by a uh, Dr. Franklin Johnson uh, entitled Baptism, the Door to the Lord's Supper. Dr. Franklin Johnson <clears throat> has a lecture in uh, Jeter's book, and I would like to read some from that. Uh, Franklin gives uh, reasons, reasons, arguments, I think he calls them arguments, why, why baptism is a prerequisite to, uh, to taking of the Lord's Supper. And on page 199 of the version that I have, he draws his first argument for it being a prerequisite. He draws an argument from simply from the importance of baptism alone. I mean, just that, just that standing alone, the importance of it in the New Testament. Franklin said this, if baptism were an ordinance of small importance, it might not be worthwhile to main, maintain its position as a prerequisite to the Lord's Supper. If it were not important, then eh, we might not stand so firmly on that. Granting that it appears in this honorable station in the New Testament, this might have been the result of chance or temporary convenience or some concept peculiar to the apostolic age and of no permanent value. But when we observe the vast importance which the New Testament <coughs> attaches to baptism and the vast importance of the function of baptism in the history of the individual soul and hence of the church, we perceive at once that the position of precedence assigned to it in the New Testament cannot be the result of accident or passing circumstances. So he's pressing for the argument for the using that, that baptism being a prerequisite to taking the Lord's table. He's pressing that argument from just simply from the importance of, the, of baptism as we find it in the New Testament. He said our Lord was baptized. Our Lord was baptized at the very beginning of his ministry. 
And at the very close of his ministry, he left a formal command to baptize every disciple. And thus, he interwove the ordinance with his solemn inauguration as the suffering Messiah, and again with his solemn inauguration as the reigning Messiah. Both at the beginning and ending of his ministry, this, the importance of this, is, is bold and clear. The heavens were opened to approve his baptism. Immediately after his proclamation of law of baptism, they were opened again to receive him into glory, thus making its last words more impressive than any others. When the Holy Spirit distinguished the day of Pentecost with the overwhelming display of his regenerating grace, all those who repented under his influence were baptized. And the work of the Holy Spirit began as the work of Christ had begun in the observance of this rite. The New Testament often speaks of baptism in such an emphatic manner as almost to identify it with the work of God in the soul. And by the way, it's some of these passages that some of our friends who are of the doctrine of baptismal regeneration uh, wrongly take some of these passages that he's talking about and use them for teaching their doctrine of baptismal regeneration. He says that the New Testament often speaks of baptism in such an emphatic manner as to almost identify it with the work of God in the soul for which it is a symbol. That is, with spiritual washing, with death to sin and resurrection from it, and with the removal of guilt by pardon. John 3, 5 says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 22, 16, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. You see what he's saying? That some of the texts, are, are the, the importance of baptism is so pressed that it would almost seem to be saying that it is part and parcel with regeneration. And then Titus 3, 5 he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And so on 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 41. So we know that those verses do not teach, do not teach baptismal regeneration, but we he is simply making the point here that it, it cannot be overstated uh, how important it is. I mean the, the New Testament puts an importance on it that is uh, emphatic and bold. Now, why is it so important? Well, Jeter gives four reasons. I'm sorry, uh, Johnson, Johnson in Jeter's book gives four reasons. He says the lofty, verse, uh, page 194, the lofty position conferred upon baptism by Christ and his apostles by the spirit of inspiration is explained when we consider the function of the ordinance in the history of the individual soul and therefore of the church. Number one, here's its importance. It is a means of publishing the gospel to the world. It is excelled only by the living preacher. I thought that was an interesting comment and conviction for him to share. He says baptism is the greatest method 
of declaring the gospel to the lost world second only to the living preacher in the function of the church. He says, wherever it is administered, it proclaims the great central truths of our religion. So, the reason of its great importance, number one, says Johnson, is the value it is for declaring the gospel to the world. Number two, on page 196, not only the world, but also the church has need of this preaching. Sometimes her living teachers err. But baptism, where it is faithfully preserved and administered, continues to proclaim these great central truths and to admonish those who forget them by its silence, but impressive witness. By its silent but impressive witness. So his reason number two is, he says baptism declares the gospel in a purity that even the church's teachers may fail. And we've seen that throughout history. We see it today. We see ministers. We see uh, theology professors. We see book writers who have erred from the basic central truths of the gospel. Well, even when they err, if the if baptism is administered properly, biblically, baptism maintains the testimony of the gospel. You see his point. A third reason he gives, baptism is of inestimable, inestimable value to the disciples just born again and just entering upon a new course of life. It is so important for the new believer. His old habits of thought and feeling and action are broken, but not destroyed. He has within him a celestial life, but it is only pushing its shoots above the soil, and it's exposed to drought and frost and trampling of herbs, and it needs nourishment and shelter. At the beginning of any new and trying course of life, a moving ceremony which surrounds the opening pathway with strong and attractive associations which can never be forgotten is a ministering angel. So the value of this to strengthen the faith of a new believer. How very important that is. I read, uh, I don't remember, actually I'm reading, doing some parallel reading, uh, and uh, I don't remember if it was Johnson or somewhere else. I was reading about the fact that some uh, some may come, make profession, come all the way to baptism, and even then, even having come to baptism, they are still just struggling, struggling to know if they have laid hold on Christ or not, still having a faith that is somewhat fragile and teetering. And it is this very thing, baptism, 
going through with that baptism that suddenly brings them over, as it were, brings them to a place of confidence. Once that baptism is done, that fortifies their heart that yes, yes, indeed, what I have symbolized here has happened in my soul. So the baptism itself, the importance of that baptism to a young believer, very, very important, very significant. And then finally, <clears throat> uh, well, in, in connection with that point, I read another sentence on page 199. He says, baptism, a powerful depiction of the burial and resurrection of Christ, of death and resurrection of the soul, and of our future blessed resurrection, standing at the very beginning of the new life, is a most precious means of grace. It is itself a means of grace. Its picturesqueness, its mighty appeal to the intelligence, to the imagination, to the emotions, and thus to the will, render it most effectual in producing the greatest possible initial impressions. And so it, it has to be said very important in the life of a new believer to experience this baptism. So that's the third reason of its uh, importance. Number four, find on page 200. But more than this should be said. Baptism is a much needed aid to the disciple, not merely because it is a moving ceremony. <clears throat> It is an act of faith on his part. Every act of faith leads to a gracious manifestation of God to the soul. The highest acts of faith, like those of the martyrs, for example, often lead to overwhelming manifestations of God to the soul. And hence, many Christians who have given their bodies to be burned have broken forth into singing in the midst of the flames. He's simply making the point that every act of faith comes with some appropriate and parallel manifestation of the presence of God. Every act of faith. And how very important is that in the early experience of a new believer? Baptism is an act of faith. And so baptism brings with it a manifestation of the glory of God. He says, among the most decisive acts of faith that we must reckon, this holy ordinance in which the new disciple puts on Christ before an assembled world. It is common, therefore, for new disciples to receive in it a vast influx of spiritual power. <laughs> I thought those were interesting terms to use, uh, but I, I think I know what he's saying, and I would agree with him, if the, that a new disciple at the early stages of their, after conversion, when they go through this baptism, they will receive an influx of spiritual power. The Holy Spirit responds to faith and communicates abundance of peace, joy, power, Testifying of cleansing and pardon, of 
the gracious smiles of the heavenly Father and of the inheritance of glory in giving unusual influence to the words and deeds with which the soldier of the cross but just listed in service seeks to destroy the works of the devil. So as I said a while ago, there is this influence, this great influence this baptism has on the new believer. There's an influx of power that they receive by this act of faith. So there could be more added to this. And some of these, of course, could be enlarged on considerably. But I'm simply trying to set before you G, uh, uh, Johnson's argument that baptism is a prerequisite to the Lord's Supper. Reason number one, argument number one, from the sheer importance of it. It's importance. And uh, that, that inherent importance of baptism sets it as the opening, if you please, the beginning of the, of the new life for the believer. And that, that needs to be done. That needs to be done before they partake of the Lord's Supper the first time. He concludes in these wonderful words. He says, these, these are some of the effects of baptism in the economy of grace. To the Baptist chiefly has been granted the honor of restoring this holy ordinance to the Christian world. Were it a mere form, it would not matter whether it was placed before or after the Lord's Supper. But it is an agency of infinite practical value in launching the new disciple upon his new way and its place of utility at the beginning of his discipleship. And since infinite wisdom has assigned it this position, the Baptists should keep it there. Since he has assigned it this importance, Baptists have determined to keep it there. Nor should they recognize as baptism the christening of infants or sprinkling or pouring administered to older persons, <laughs> ceremonies containing nothing of the significance and power of this Christian ordinance. Since the New Testament has charged it with the weightiest meanings and appointed it to the weightiest functions, Baptists have no right to pursue a course which would silence its voice and smite its, smite its uh, beneficent power with paralysis. We have no right to set it in a secondary view. If we start allowing people to come to the Lord's table without it, baptism, we are essentially saying, well, I mean, that's important, but it's not that important. I mean, we'll just, you know, that we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that somewhere, someday, maybe, or not. The importance of it, the absolute importance of it, 
which the scriptures, in which the scriptures are clear as clearly uh, setting. The importance of it is a principal argument for why baptism is a prerequisite of the Lord's Supper. I remember all the way back, seems like another world, another day, another planet, really. In 1970, Campus Crusade for Christ on all of our major university campuses. I happen to be at Clemson, but there was, uh, this could have been true at any university in the whole United States. Campus Crusade for Christ were uh, squeezing professions out of young people, left, right, and center. And they would go immediately into uh, taking the Lord's Supper <laughs> and uh, without any thought of baptism or even discussion, frankly, not even a discussion of baptism or whether or not anyone should have it. But they would sit around in these basically seances, I think, and uh, in circles and hum and sway and pass these elements around. No baptism there. Nobody even talking about it. Well, clearly they have missed the importance the New Testament gave to this, to this ordinance of baptism. So we as Baptists hold very strongly that it is a prerequisite to taking the Lord's Supper. And we covered today only argument number one, which is that it is an argument from the importance of the its inherent uh, importance and prominence, its inherent prominence in in uh, the New Testament. I don't think it can be argued, and that is the lesson that I wanted to bring today in our ongoing pursuit of Baptist distinctives. Would anybody like to add to that or question? That uh, testimonial value to which he refers both to the world and to the new believer Himself mm. is one of the primary reasons that our forefathers baptized publicly. Mm. Uh, and in open spaces where large crowds could be assembled, both of uh, church members who observe the new believer being baptized. But as well, the loss. Yes. Uh, there are accounts, if you go back and look at accounts given in the uh, Massachusetts Baptist Missionary Magazine, one of the American Baptist Magazine, you'll find accounts where large crowds being gathered where new believers were to be baptized for that baptism. And was going back as well to Dr. Baldwin that the occasion of his baptism, he actually invited 
all of his lost friends and the members of the community to attend. Yeah. So that they could see it. Interestingly enough, his experience was somewhat similar to what Johnson noted. He came to the day of his baptism and of course he was as was the practice then, he was required would would be required to give testimony of his conversion before to to the crowd and right. specifically to the church assembled there. And he found nothing he said nothing but darkness. Um, and it was only during the the, the minister's message when the minister said have you not love enough from your Savior to be buried as he was that day? He said the darkness dissipated and uh, I was um, brought to a place of full assurance of my interest in Christ. Amen. He gave testimony. But right. They, they would literally have public baptisms in the most inclement situation. Yes, yes. Uh, again, Dr. Baldwin recounts that he had gone up into northern part of Vermont in March. Ooh. He said that the weather that it had snowed to the depth of three feet. And he was traveling from his home to the northern part of Vermont, uh, the White Mountains up there, in order to see a church constituted and baptism occur. And it says that uh, he went into the water would have been a small river up yeah. there. He said, as soon as I came out, the water froze on my foot. Yep. Wow. But mm. he was, they were determined to be baptized. Sure. Publicly. Sure. Public. Testimony of oh. what Johnson is referring to. Because of the testimony of the gospel. What it, what it, what it meant. What it, in fact, it had. And it does seem that we, in our day, lose something of that testimony. Yeah, sure, sure. By our current practice, not that it's wrong, but no, no, we do seem to lose at it. And there is a wonder. We would have to wonder. Supposing we rented a public swimming place and went and held a baptism, one would have to wonder. How much interest would there be in the general public to even see that? On the heels of our last conversation, it would be unfair to draw a connection between the ongoing work of Prince Darkness and the cheapening and bastardization of this ordinance. Right, right. Cheapening and bastardization, exactly. Right. 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 Well, <laughs> I'll be very careful how I say this because I never know where these tapes are going. There was a new, sorry, there was an old Baptist congregation in this county who moved to a new location in this county, very near my house. And they went in, and one of the Southern Baptists, Southern Baptists, the first thing they did was remodel the sanctuary. 
and uh, <laughs> I never heard of this. They they purchased a giant stainless they are or galvanized sorry galvanized tub like used for cattle for watering cattle, and they put it on casters because the pasture is quite large and he is unable to get go down in baptism with a king and so they designed this large tank so that they could roll it out into the sanctuary and it is somewhat raised so he is able to stand behind it and not get in it and easily baptize someone in that tank while he himself remains out of the water. <laughs> uh, they're talking about cheapening and bastardizing the ceremony. This, is, it seems to me, a case of, of uh, we're trying to meet the letter of the thing, but not the spirit of it. Even that, we're not meeting the letter of it, because every case in the New Testament, the baptizer went down into the water with the baptized. But uh, this tub was <laughs> uh, supposed to overcome the problem with the with the situation. I, 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 whatever you think about that, one thing is clear. It has... Uh, seriously cheapened the whole thing, the whole ceremony. Uh, it's, it's, it's really cheap, uh, the way it's conducted and, and the frenzy and the frivolity with which this whole sit, the whole mechanism is carried out is, it's appalling. Uh, but, but it's, it, you're right. And it goes to this, it goes to this point that the testimony is not what it should be. The testimony of this gospel is not what that ordinance was meant to be in these circumstances like that. And it is important. It's drastically important. And he even, Johnson even uh, said, and I read it to you, that, that we have no we have no right as Baptists even accepting someone who's been sprinkled or poured or in any way the ceremony was not done properly, biblically, we have no business as Baptists. Talk about Baptist distinctives. Now there's a distinctive stain. We have no business accepting anything called baptism, which is not baptism, according to Johnson. And sadly, there would have been a time when other Baptist churches would have taken that church Past yes. And put them out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist Church. This is a Southern Baptist Church I'm talking about. Southern Southern Baptists would have called them to task and put them out if they insisted on this thing going forward. Method to excuse gluttony, pastor, you, you can't, you're still left to deal with the fact that that one church 
actually had a converse where if the person was baptized, we would have a woman. Yes. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, yeah, baptism is a joke, as is repentance, unfortunately, in their ranks. Repentance is a joke. There is no repentance, not biblical repentance. There may be some expression of regret, but there's no turning from the things that are sin. (laughs) Baptist distinctness, why we hold to these things. Baptism is a prerequisite to the Lord's Supper. We have covered arguments, only one argument. The argument from its inherent prominence and importance in the New Testament. All right?